What is up, everybody? It is the Denim Dungeon. We are live, but not on the internet. We are simply live uh, on our computers right now. I am joined by my co-host and my hetero life mate, Tim Sprinkles. I am Brian Rennick, and uh, I'm excited, Tim. I am excited. It is Draftmas Eve, and uh, I am I'm ready to talk some football. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since we have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the last time we were on, we joined the Sprint Right Option uh, podcast, which was a great collab. We love those guys. Jason and Andrew are phenomenal. Um, Jason's at the draft right now. He is in Vegas. I at work today, I I got the picture (laughs) of him with his credentials and I just kind of sat back and went, all right, let's. Let's go back to working um, with these kids getting yelled at by parents. It's all good. Um, Not quite the same, right? I'm real happy. I'm real happy for Jordan. Um, Jordan Elliott. I'm I'm real, real proud of those guys and the moves they're making. They're doing big things. They are. Um, You know, and and what's, what's pretty cool is that, you know, you are a contributor uh, at 49er web zone as am I, Uh, you are an editor. editor. Yeah. And editor. But, you know, that's how Jason got his start. uh, Yeah. 49ers 49ers web zone. And it it gives, uh, you know, shout out to 49ers web zone because it gives an opportunity for a lot of people to provide uh, a lot of great opinions, a lot of great content. And uh, it kind of keeps, you know, the 49er faithful, I guess, their appetite for content. Yeah, Uh, it's just it's just another avenue, another another aisle in the buffet if you will of content <laughs> to gorge on because it is a never-ending uh option of i mean for god's sakes for weeks it was all about jimmy garoppolo and yeah. will he be traded won't he and in the in the it seems like within days debo samuel has completely taken away all of the jimmy garoppolo scuttlebutt if you will i learned that word from you i love it (laughs) taking away the jimmy scuttle and and now all 49ers twitter can talk about is will debo samuel be traded will he be traded before the draft on the day of the draft will he stay on the team moving forward obviously this is going to be our first topic of the debate um but what do you think brian i mean give me your opinion we've heard so much we, mm-hmm. you know, the national media loves to 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 roll with narratives. And mm-hmm. if sure. you remember about a year ago today, uh, the national media was guaranteeing the fact that Mac Jones, Mac Jones at three was going to be the third pick in the NFL draft by the San Francisco 49ers, that it was a done deal, that Mac was Kyle's guy. Everybody in the organization was on board. And obviously, we we at the Denim Dungeon never believe yes. that for one second. I was saying, uh, in fact, I published an article on the web zone, and the title of that article was The 49ers Are Not Drafting Mac Jones. And uh, I felt pretty vindicated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we even so much as, as football enthusiasts ourselves, we put our money where our mouths were. You sure did. And, and we put wagers on the fact that 
uh, Mac Jones. You put one specifically on the fact that Mac Jones was not going to yes. go to the 49ers. Yes. I didn't know that one was there. Very smart move on your part. <laughs> but I hedged our bet. Yeah, we had really money. Did. We had money on Justin Fields and I hedged our bet. Uh, and like I said, I, I bet on, I don't, it wasn't that Mac Jones wasn't going to the 49ers. I believe I bet the under on, or the over on, on draft slot for Mac Jones. And cause it was, uh, I think it was like four, I believe they had it set at four and okay. I took the, I took the over on that. You took like, the over. Cause he's not going to the 49ers. I was, I was confident. You were confident because the, the information that we were receiving from people that we trust that. Mm-hmm that have direct lines of communication within the organization. Mm-hmm. They were telling us that there was no chance that Mac Jones at that point, Kyle was not going to take Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I think back to that time. And I remember I, and I posted, I think it was a tweet or, or it was, it was something about along the lines of my quarterbacks for the 49ers going into last year's draft were one, a Justin Fields, one B Trey Lance. My Mm -hmm. thought process behind that was that Kyle was done with Jimmy Mm -hmm. and that he was looking to move on. Uh, I thought he was ready to move forward at that point and not live with Jimmy for another year. If I would have known that what I know now, knowing that that Kyle was fine, (laughs) rolling, rolling another year with Jimmy Garoppolo, then I probably would have flipped Lance and Fields because Lance, in my opinion, has more potential than Fields. Mm -hmm. Fields was more, uh, day one ready yeah he was ready in the nfl yeah so that was the other thing for me part of you know uh part of writing that article was really just also i i would say like the courage of my convictions in thinking there's no way that kyle shanahan was going to trade three first round picks to move up to draft mac jones who is essentially just a younger Jimmy Garoppolo, a little bit more arm talent, a little bit more talent for the deep ball. But outside of that, it was like, why are you, why is, why would he give up that kind of capital to, to just essentially draft a younger version of the quarterback he already has? It just never made any sense to me. And so it was just that coupled with information that we were getting. And I was like, there's no, there's no way that, you know, there's no way that they're taking, taking Mac Jones at three. But, um, but yeah, this, this year now, Right. It's it's not quite as exciting because as it stands, the 49ers do not have a selection in the first round, which is tomorrow, Thursday, April 28th. Uh, but as you said earlier, the storyline, there's been two storylines that have dominated the 49ers offseason. And the first half of the offseason, that storyline, as you said, was Jimmy Garoppolo. And since then, it has come to Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, the wide receiver, going into uh, the fourth year and final year of his contract, he was a second-round pick, eligible for an extension. Uh, everybody on board, hey, the 49ers are going to extend Debo, just like in previous off-seasons, they extended uh, Fred Warner. And then the off-season before that, George Kittle. It was like, hey, it's just a foregone conclusion. Debo's going to get his money. And then two weeks ago, it was reported that Debo Samuel had requested a trade from the 49ers. And that has storyline has not died down. And the the thing that I'm most excited about is it really feels like we are less than 24 hours away now from finally having a resolution to is Debo going to be traded? Is he not going to be traded? Because if he is not traded, 
by the end of the first round of the NFL draft, there is zero chance that he's getting traded. Zero chance. So really, like I said, we're less than 24 hours away from knowing. So what does my gut say? Um, I think my gut says my gut says he stays. Um, but I think it's not going to get any prettier, <laughs> you know, um, right. and, and it may even get uglier before um, it gets prettier. But it just feels like it just feels like Kyle is going to Kyle's going to be the one that ends up making this work and making this happen. Um and so again, just like last year, I guess I uh, I place all my faith in Kyle Shanahan. Which, okay, I and I, we do agree. If 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 we're coming to the 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 finality of what we're talking about, I believe Debo Samuel, and I believe Debo Samuel was going to remain a 49er um, since the beginning of all these talks. I've never really bought in to the extent that it seems like the majority of people have in regards to the fact that the relationship between Debo Samuel and the 49ers have soured to such a point where uh, they have to cut ties. Now, um, there was a rumor today that came across Twitter and and there was a, a national uh, media member that tweeted out uh, the fact that the Jets had offered pick 10 pick 36 he wrote 99 we're assuming uh he meant pick 69 because mm-hmm. the jets do not have 99 they have yeah. 69 30, and pick 38 by the way oh my my apologies yeah, pick 30 i'm doing i was doing this off of memory sure. which you know for those of you who don't know uh former college quarterback high school quarterback <laughs> about 12 concussions so i have a tendency to I'll forget save. things Former concussion, former concussion haver. That is, that is my, uh, that was how my career ended, but, uh, doing okay as of right now. Um, I'll let (laughs) you know. It was, yeah, it was, uh, the, the tweet was 10, 38, 69 and Elijah Moore. Was there a 2023 pick in there as well? Uh, not in that tweet. No, not in that tweet. Okay. So, that was the rumor and and if because we've we've all heard that it's basically going to take a king's ransom to get debo samuel right. uh traded and out of uh san francisco slash santa clara and i don't think that the, the new bay. york the bay i don't think the jets are a location that debo samuel told his agent and went i want to go there that is some place that get me out of Kyle Shanahan's offense and yeah. let's go across the country uh, so I can play at least half of my games on the injury maker, the <laughs> turf field that destroys career. Yeah, that's um, I. Yeah, that was one of the things that I thought about uh, the other day. I tweeted out about it. I was like, how's his body going to hold up on that on that turf? He played he would play at least uh, at least 10 games on turf every season at least it just doesn't make sense but yeah from from where i stood from the beginning i and in all honesty like i i i want the 49er faithful and for those of you who are listening take a deep breath right now okay for those of you who have some anxiety for those of you who read some of the content that comes across please understand that every single news media outlet, every single tweet that comes out, 
The whole point of everything that's out there is the fact that people want views and clicks and engagement. That's what this thing is all about. So a lot of times people will tweet things, will say things, write things, report things, and they'll put little taglines like I think, or I believe, or it sounds like. And so at that point, they don't have to use any facts from that point forward. (laughs) And they're able to, yeah, it's their opinion. Now they, they obviously, there is more weight to it. There is a lot of people that have sources that hear things. I understand that, but please understand that from anybody that's played the sport, especially at an incredibly high level, the interviews that I listen to the most, the, the, the players, Fred Warner, Mike McGlinchey, the people that are coming out and talking about the Debo situation where they are reporting and saying they completely understand what Debo is doing. It has not changed how they feel about him or how they feel about how he contributes to the 49ers on the field. There is This game is a business. The NFL is about making money, both for the owners and for the players slash coaches. They're yeah. in it to make a bag. Like, believe me, it, it changes the way people view the game. The game right now for Debo is not the NFL game on the field. The game for Debo and his agent is how much can they drum up interest from anybody that's willing to listen, including the 49ers front office. And they've made it abundantly clear that they're willing to kind of do whatever it takes, like leak stories to media, have Debo appear on videos, odd things like in a nightclub where Debo is spotted with a sign that is on the dance floor that says, Debo, please stay in the bay. And then it pans over to Debo and he's doing this over in the corner. And then two conflicting reports come out. One saying that, oh, that's, that is Debo saying he's done. And he read the sign and he doesn't want to stay. And then another report from apparently like the club owner or a bartender. Yeah, it was saying, a tweet. The, the, club, the club owner tweeted that, that was that it was his club and Debo was uh, making that motion to the waitress telling her not to bring more drinks over. So again, and you can believe what you want to believe. That is your right. Like we all have the ability to kind of take in whatever information we want and then come to our own conclusions. But I'm just looking at it from one, a business standpoint and two, the fact that he is doing everything he possibly can as a player in the off season to control his own narrative. Good for him. His agent and the three receivers that he represents, it's A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Debo Samuel, right? Yeah. It's very interesting that it seems like all three of them now have, what, every single one of them, there's trade rumors floating around the organization. There's a lot of, I'll use the word again because I just love it, there's so much (laughs) scuttlebutt around that agent and the players he represents. He truly believes that the more these players get mentioned, whether it be in positive, negative, with the team, against the team, trade rumors, whatever, bottom line, the more they get talked about, the more that's going to increase the contract that they, their next contract that they sign for whichever team. I believe it's, I believe it's going to be signed by the 49ers. They're going to offer him a huge extension. They just have to agree upon the guaranteed money. 
Yeah. And, and I think and, that's the sticking point. But I think you pointed out earlier with one of your tweets that got a lot of attention, the mm-hmm. fact that there are the 49ers have a certain MO with how they treat certain star players. Yeah. So t- tell everybody, I, like, <clears throat> what, what is your theory with that? Like, tell me. So the, the thing that I don't understand is why Debo is going about this the way that he is. Because this front office, right, this John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan regime um, has established what amounts to a kind of like a standard operating procedure when it comes to situations like extending players, right? And so really the only information or, or history that we have to go on is the George Kittle extension and then the Fred Warner extension, right? Because the only other player who would have been eligible for an extension that didn't receive one was DeForest Buckner, who was traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a first-round pick that was then used to draft his replacement. We can argue whether we can argue, you know, till we're blue in the face about roster management, whether that was a good move, bad move, whatever. But there have been three players eligible for extensions. The first one got traded, but the 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 difference in that situation was that Eric Armstead was a pending free agent at the same time that DeForest Buckner was eligible for an extension. And the 49ers essentially had to choose between the two. They chose Armstead. I think they chose him for his positional versatility, but also he had lower contract demands. It's not quite the player that DeForest Buckner was. And so they trade Buckner to the Colts. They get a first-round pick. Like I said, they draft Javon Kinlaw. Then George Kittle was eligible for an extension. And what we know now about that was that the first initial offer was really low. In fact, his agent, because they received the first contract offer, the first extension offer in on Valentine's Day, called it the Valentine's Day Massacre. Uh, because Kittle, at the time, trying to reset the market, the tight end market, which was a market that had lagged behind other markets, right? Um, You know, players weren't really getting paid their worth. And Kittle was trying to, you know, was trying to, 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 to reset the market. And they did eventually, right? In July. Then the next off season, Fred Warner, a linebacker up for extension, right? Not a free agent, just eligible for an extension. And he signs his extension in July, right before training camp, just like George Kittle, the previous and the, and, and both of those players, we did not hear very much about their, uh, about their negotiations. In fact, we didn't really hear anything about their negotiations. And then they showed up to camp. They showed up to OTAs. They showed up to the things that, that, that you would want your players to, to show up to because they are players under contract, right? They're seeking extensions. They're not free agents, right? So they're still under contract. Um, and and now it, for the third offseason in a row, another player important to the team is up for extension. To me, if you've recognized the pattern, if you're Debo Samuel, you go, okay, so I know that I'm eligible for my extension. It looks like I'm probably going to go ahead and sign that in July, just like 
Fred did last year and Kittle did the year before. And, and each time those players signed contracts at the top of the market, they had top of the market extensions. Kittle still is at the top of the market. Warner no longer is because Darius Leonard signed after him, but both of them had top of the market extension deals given to them. And all of a sudden Debo, it's not even May and he's making trade requests because he doesn't have uh, the extension given him already. And it's just, it's interesting to me that, that for whatever reason, they felt like they needed to take this route and Richard Sherman on his podcast earlier today um, talked about it. And he said, you know, that he, he essentially, he thinks that Debo is going to remain with the 49ers. He's pretty confident of that. I think both of us are as well. But what he said was, you know, I think Debo has taken these negotiations a little more uh, emotionally or personally um, than, than these other players did. And I think that's the, that's the real, you know, the, that's the real thing is, you know, for whatever reason, they came out swinging in a time when I don't even think the 49ers like were ready <laughs> to even start the negotiations. And, and so it's just an interesting timing situation to me. And ultimately, I, I just think it hurts his reputation among fans, whether we, that's right or not. I, I just think it does. And, and, and that ultimately probably doesn't matter because what matters is the almighty dollar. But, you know, I, if I'm Debo Samuel and his agent, I've got to understand that the likelihood that I'm going to force my way out is probably pretty low. So, all right, man. Like, first thing, you talked about the trade of DeForest Buckner, how's that, how that was the first. Do you remember when he was traded? He was traded March 16th. That's like, the we, start of the league year. <clears throat> so we were at a, at, a, at a point where, like you said, you gave the scenario, but it happened much earlier before the draft because let's face the facts, the 49ers front office, they, they're very intelligent when it comes to football concepts, scheming, and in my opinion, you can argue some of the misses, but they're really good at talent evaluation. They want to know where they're I, drafting. I say, I agree with you. I, yeah. I mean, listen to the players that you're talking about. Like you're the players you're talking about drafted by this regime up for contract extensions. I mean, you're talking about the George Kittles, the Fred Warners, two players in their respective positions that are arguably the best in the NFL. Debo Samuel, who is an all pro respectively in the top, like top two, three, four, five in the conversation in the league. Another player you didn't mention, Nick Bosa, potentially yeah. number one, two or three in the league at his position. Like the top end of the draft and the lower rounds, this this organization does know how to find really good talent. Yeah. So they they want to know where they're picking. So the yeah. fact that like if anyone wants to argue the fact that, oh, DeForest Buckner got traded, so no one's safe. Debo's out. Well, that's awesome. But he was traded long before the draft ever happened. Yeah. Okay. So now we're sitting at a point where the 49ers have, they don't have a first round draft pick. The, the thought process is that they're going to get a King's ransom for Debo Samuel. If it's going to happen, mm -hmm. which would mean he would prop, they'd probably get a top 10 selection. 
Mm-hmm. Now, when you have a top 10 selection, you, you're you either going to select one of the best potential athletes, players in the draft, or you trade back and multiply your picks, but you still have to have day one evaluations done. The 49ers have, like, they've done their homework, but I guarantee you they haven't put in the time, effort that's needed for those top end picks because they hit on those mid-round picks so much that those are the guaranteed picks that they're going to have. Right. Yeah. But here's the, 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 the other piece to this puzzle. I was saying Lynch, Lynch did say on Monday that they, that they have, they have scouted the full draft, you know, for to be prepared in in whatever scenario. And the other thing always say, no, no, no. What do they always say? They say every single time we're always open to negotiations. We're always open to hear all offers. That's strictly on brand for John Lynch. Yeah. That is a hundred. That is not him saying I'm looking for the best offer. I've scouted all of these players and I'm ready to select in the top 10. That is him making a standard statement that sure. Make your best offer. We'll he'll hear all offers, but in the NFL, Time is the only thing that is limited. It is a limited resource and you have to be very decisive and diligent about what you choose to focus your time on. They are not spending more time on the top end of this draft than they are with the guaranteed selections that they currently have. But the other, but the the, the one, the only other pushback that I'll give on that um, in terms of timeline is we got to remember it's been two weeks since we found out Debo wanted a trade. And then what came out is that the 49ers had known for two weeks prior, which means that it's been about a month. They have had a month. And again, mate, like, like all of this is speculation. That, sure. Like, no one, no one that we know has spoken with Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch. Everyone that we've spoken with has spoken to somebody in the mm-hmm. organization, mm-hmm. but none of that has been, the people who make the decision. So yeah, you could say, Oh, we heard it came out of left field. The coaching staff had no idea. We could understand Oh, the coaching staff knew two weeks in advance before it came out in the national media, or you can understand. And like, you can look at the things Debo Samuel is tweeting versus what his agent and his publicist and everybody that want the narrative around him to know Debo Samuel, like he tweets out. I mean, what did he tweet out yesterday? Too real to entertain half the stuff y'all be saying, but it do be funny though. Everybody want their voice to be heard about a situation they know nothing about and just be saying whatever the next person say. Have a blessed day. Peace. Like, and those have been his primarily what he's communicating out. He's communicating out a message that can be taken either way. I'm not saying that's him saying I'm staying with the 49ers hundred percent. And I'm also not saying that's him requesting to get traded. He's Mm -hmm. tweeting out ambiguous things that I think are calculated and planned. And very, I think this whole thing has been very well done by his agent. You can argue with that. And you can say that Fred Warner and, and George Kittle got top end market value, but did they really maximize every single dollar and dime that they could get from this organization. We know that Prague and the, and yeah. the, the Lynch Shanahan uh, regime is very, very uh, they're smart with their contracts. They, they often make uh, organizational friendly contracts. 
No, not often. Always. <laughs> it's not. So it's always. It's always. So, so if that's the case, maybe they're not arguing necessarily about where the dollar ratio is. Like we've heard they've offered Debo 25 million a year. That like if that is on the table, that is a very, very good contract. Yeah. They're talk they're talking about guaranteed money. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That that is a hundred percent where we're talking about and then it, it talks about what are debo's options as the contract progresses and what yeah. are the 49ers options as the years progress they debo samuel and his agent do not want this contract to be top end of the market but extremely team friendly they want it to be extremely debo friendly yeah so they're doing something a little different they're going things a little bit differently i guarantee you the locker room is not lost on debo samuel he could sign an oh, extension yeah. tomorrow. No. And I'm, the entire locker room will welcome him with open arms sure, 100%. 100%. Great chemistry. Everyone's These, fine. You got to understand that the locker, it's like they're employees, right? Like it, it's like, it, you know what I mean? Like it, they understand it's a business. And so, you know, football is an emotional sport. I understand that. And, and there are different things that go into it. But in the end, what you're talking about, you know, is an employee break room. That's what the locker room is. Right. And so they, they're going to have each other's back because ultimately, you know, that's what collective bargaining is, right? It's the employees versus the employers. And so, yeah, they're, they're going to cheer on every single dude that is trying their best to, you know, get every cent that they can. I think the hang up and 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 this and this is to me is the most interesting part of it is you look at the guaranteed money that Tyreek Hill got and it was like 72 million dollars. And so and and granted both Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams who signed massive deals when you actually look at the numbers the deals are not nearly what they they are reported as. Okay, like Devontae's is really like 3 for something and Hills is, you know, really just three for something as well, but he does have that 72 million guaranteed. And the thing is, is the only player that the 49 San Francisco 49ers have ever guaranteed 70 million or more dollars to is Jimmy Garoppolo when they signed him to his deal. And that was a quarterback. And I just don't know if as an organization, they are willing to commit that kind of guaranteed money to a non quarterback. And that's where I think the impasse is. And that's where ultimately, like I said, it's going to be fascinating to see where it ends up. You know, is it, are they going to find a happy medium, right? Between 50 and 70 million, right? Or, you know, is it going to end up being like 60 million, which would still be the most money guaranteed to any 49er outside of Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't know. We'll have to see. But ultimately I do think, and, and I know you do as well, that come the end of the first round tomorrow, uh, Debo Samuel is still going to be a 49er. First round selection by the San Francisco 49ers in the 2022 NFL draft, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, there you go. They will keep him on the organization. Yeah. Like, but the the one thing that I you just have to kind of think big picture. So both sides are fighting in this negotiation. Debo is looking out, I, I should say, Debo's camp, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of this is driven by sure. other people than, than Debo Samuel. It's they're looking out for, for numero 19. Okay. 19 problems. Debo Samuel, hundred percent. The 49ers understand that they have Debo to worry about, but they also have Nick Bosa to worry about. Yeah. And whatever, 
And like, look, lesson learned with Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. They made a really, they, they kind of shot from the hip. They didn't have a ton of, a ton of sample size. They had to make kind of a gut decision in a sense. Yes, they could have well, franchise he was going to be a free agent. Him. Yeah, they could have franchise yeah. tagged him. But in that instance, like you kind of there are times where you go against what you believe and you go with your gut. And they did. And I feel like they got burned. And the Jimmy Garoppolo contract, <sighs> in a sense, in yeah. my opinion, yes, he led them to a Super Bowl. Yes, he led them to two NFC championship games. Yes, he has a great winning percentage. Yes, he's a great locker room guy and the guys believe in him. But in a sense, all of that, you still don't have a Super Bowl win. And yeah. two, the contract that he signed has kind of created this scar over what the San Francisco front office is willing to do and what they're willing to guarantee for a player. I mean, it... It, but there's but, like you said, there's only been one. Yeah, and it, but and that's it, the thing is you can't compare quarterback contracts to any other contract because they're so out of whack with the rest of the rest of the contracts. And so that's uh, where I mean, like I don't know rusher? that they're willing. What is the like? Look at the look at the edge rusher. Look at if no, I, I know, edge rusher. Sure, but there is there still isn't an there still isn't an edge rusher who's making thirty million dollars a year. How many how many quarterbacks are there that are making over thirty million dollars a year? I think there's six. Okay. So that's, you know, so that's what the, the quarterback contracts are different. But what I was going to say is, you know, I, people argue about that Jimmy Garoppolo contract and it's like they could have franchised him and then they would have, you know, to give themselves another year. But if you look at that contract and the way that they structured it, and that's why it was brilliant at the time, they had a they had an insane amount of cap room. Uh, the the season the off season that they signed Jimmy Garoppolo and so essentially what they did was they signed him to a five year deal but in reality it was a three a, a three year deal and so essentially what they did is they bought out his two franchise tag years and then got him and then gave him one more year and then those last two years the first one being last year those were easy those were easily voidable essentially like they could have got rid of him and had no dead dead cap money. Um, and so that's the that's kind of the beauty of that contract is in reality, they did. They franchised him twice and then just gave him an extra season. Um, and so I I don't think that the contract that Jimmy Garoppolo, because the other thing that was interesting, I, I forgot about this. I looked it up today when they signed that when they signed Jimmy Garoppolo, to that contract, that was actually the highest, the the most money uh, ever given out in an NFL contract. And then it was beaten by, I believe, Matthew Stafford, like four days later or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't fault them for that, but I know what you're saying. Like they, they have, they have guaranteed money at a level of $70 million, but I still don't know that you can use that as evidence for a Debo, uh, a, a Debo negotiation. Cause again, it's a quarterback. I, yes, it's hard to compare those positions, but everybody in the NFL is making more money. All I'm yeah. saying is when if I mean if you break down the numbers, yes, you can you can argue this point, but the bottom line is you can't you can't take away from how things make you feel. And if yeah. you feel like you did not come out on top of a deal, it bothers you. And yeah. the the San Francisco front office, despite the fact that they front loaded it, despite the fact that they they had easy outs, they haven't taken those outs. 
And the fact is they haven't won a Super Bowl. And the fact is that Jimmy Garoppolo has played in less, like he's been hurt almost as much as he's been on the field. Like there are situations that whether it was Jimmy's fault or not, mm. it it really left a bad taste in in the organization's mouth in regards to what they guaranteed him because he has not given them, in my opinion, the money that they have paid him. A quarterback that has been paid far less has made NFC championship games or conference championship games. Quarterbacks that have made far less have lost Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not faulting him. He's done a real, like he's done good things. Is he worth the dollars that he was paid and guaranteed? No, yeah, not in my opinion. And if you, you lose that negotiation and that the front office did, in my opinion, maybe not by a ton, but they Mm -hmm. definitely didn't come out ahead. It leaves you with a different thought process moving forward. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Never, never, fool, never fool, fool me, me again. Fool me, fool ne- me a third time. You, you, never fool me again. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're never gonna fool me again. Yeah, no, uh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I, yeah, I fully, yeah. You know, are they gun shy? Are they, you know, are they essentially gun shy? And that's the other thing. What, you know, how did they get burned by Jimmy because of injuries? What are you afraid of with Debo Samuel? Injuries. injuries. I mean, theoretically, you should be afraid for every player in football because football is a violent sport that has lots of injuries. But But, the two in particular that are coming up right now, mm -hmm, Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa, those are two players that when they play top end talent, potentially Mm -hmm. the best two in Mm -hmm. the league at their position, Mm -hmm. there are stats to argue that Mm -hmm. on the flip side of it, they're injury prone. Yeah. Dating back to college. Yep. So there's a big hesitation when the, you say when yeah you say guaranteed money right, right. guaranteed and right. injury prone don't normally go together that, yeah exactly and that's and that was uh you know that was the thing about uh with with bosa is you can't fault him for that for that knee injury but now you have that knee injury plus he tore an acl in high school and he had that core muscle injury at ohio state and so again, it's like, it's the, it's the guaranteed, it's the guaranteed aspect of it that I think is, is, is the biggest bug. And then you got to remember what happened the last time the 49ers gave a bunch of money to a defensive end D Ford. So uh, again, gun shy, arguably one of the worst contracts that sure. this regime has put forward. For sure. So you yep. think about the, the two contracts that have put them in the most financial risk or obligation Mm -hmm. have kind of come out on the side where the players won the organization lost yeah so yet so why in the world would you not if you're debo's camp do Mm -hmm. everything in your power they don't have much control let's be real clear about yeah they have almost no leverage so what do they have control of the media narrative the narrative that's the only thing they have a say in and to do it without turning the locker room against you is honestly, it's a delicate road or it's a delicate path that you have to follow. And I do feel like Debo and his camp has done it very well. Like the players are on board who get like, honestly, the coaches don't like, they're going to argue. They're going to bicker. They're going to go back and forth. Bottom line, a player, you want a player of his talent on your team so you can win. 
you have to win for the coach to stay to the, stay hired. The one the one thing that I will say though is I agree with you. They've they've played it well because ultimately they're probably going to end up getting the money that that they want. $25 million AAV, you know, somewhere between 60 and 70 million guaranteed. But it is a gamble because if the Jets come calling with 10 and 38 and a one next year, that's a King's ransom. And now all of a sudden you're a jet and you're a jet all the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Those you. are for us uh, old you. old people that understand that <laughs> reference. There might be some people who just watched that and been like, "Why? But yeah, is like he all, snapping all of a Why sudden, is he snapping into the yeah. into the into the camera? That didn't make no sense." Um, <laughs> but but that's what I mean. Like it is a gamble because you could have negotiated your way into New York, right, and, into a franchise that I love, Robert Sala, um, and I think they've got some talents on that team, but historically historically not, not great. great a lot of draft capital they need leadership mm -hmm. in the locker room mm -hmm. they have a lot of talent sporadic places in the organization they have a 49er kind of coaching staff that's come yeah, over so familiar sure. organization like familiar yeah. system uh LaFleur. robert sala high high energy guy defense mm -hmm. is going to be good mm -hmm. and, and they have lafleur so the, yeah. the offense is going to be similar as well everyone's yeah. kind of kind of you know, knocking on the fact that they he could go to the Jets. Do you remember what the 49ers record was before they went to the Super Bowl? What was their record? How many games did they win? The oh in two in two thousand uh in two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Two. How many they win? Two? Two. Oh, interesting. So an organization can flip. They can literally go from being one of the worst organizations to one of the best organizations just based upon the fact that they added a few players, kept some key personnel around, some players matured. Well, and they had a court, they got a quarterback. That was the thing for Are, they lost they, they had, lost they lost 14 games because Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt in the third yeah, game. Sure. But yeah. are you telling me that Zach Wilson is a bust? Are you I don't telling know. me that Z we don't know? But is his talent yeah. immense? Sure. Does he have a ton of potential? Yeah, is he in a absolutely. system that he needs a playmaker like Debo Samuel, somebody that can catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage and mm -hmm. take it 75, 80 yards? By the way, yeah. I would I, I would also I would also argue 10 and 38 and Elijah Moore instead of next year's one. I would I would take that as well. That to me would be a King's ransom. But I what agree. I was going to say is the thing that I love about New York is if they gave up 10 and 38, neither one of those were their picks. They Those were picks that they got. Uh, 10 is from. Uh, Tennis from Seattle, which is the other thing that I would tickle me is that that's that's still, a, that's still yeah. in play. That's that the is yeah, that is happening. the that is the the first round pick that that Seattle gave up for the second first round pick that Seattle gave up for Jamal Adams. And then pick 38 was from the Panthers uh, for Sam Darnold. So, again, even if they gave up 10 and 38 now, granted, they are their assets. They own them. So I get that. I understand that. But it still kind of feels like, hey, we didn't we didn't really have to give up our stuff we just had to give up kind of some stuff that we had gotten from other people that's cool but is it as cool as Debo Samuel probably not right like if you can if you could if you can turn Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold into Debo Samuel that seems like a pretty good that seems like a pretty good trade. I, I'd take that they yeah. have their four pick they have 10 from Seattle they have 35 they have 38 from Carolina mm -hmm. they have 69 they have 111 from mm -hmm. Carolina they mm -hmm. have 117 from Minnesota, 146 and 163 from Pittsburgh. Yeah, they got I a mean, lot of 
They got a ton of ammo. They could give up a first and a second for Debo Samuel and still have a first and a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And, and that's there, and yeah. better first yeah, and this seconds. Year. Giving right, up their exactly. two worst. Higher first and seconds, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. so does it make sense for the Jets to make this this trade offer? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Absolutely. But it, like it. I said, the, I think the hangup for them would be next year's one and or Elijah Moore. Like, that's the thing where it's like, 10 and 38 is probably and to be perfectly honest in 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 a vacuum 10 and 38 would be and should be enough right for 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 that trade right that's more that's more than what the dolphins gave up for tyree kill and what the raiders gave up for uh Devonte adams okay so both of those receivers are better than debo samuel and 10 and 38 is like i said more than what those teams gave up to get those two guys but but i see you wagging your finger at me debo samuel is younger okay so there's there's one and two he has that versatility that that those other guys while incredible don't necessarily have but that's where i'm saying like 10 and 38 should be enough but if you're the 49ers you're like no we want to keep him so 10 and 38 is enough but if you want him, you got to blow us away. And that's where next year's one or Elijah Moore or something along those lines. Somebody suggested earlier, I, I, I was watching, oh, I think it was uh, Grant Cohn and Larry Kruger. And um, someone asked about, you know, what about 10 and Mackay Becton or 10 and 38 Mackay Becton? And that, oh, it was Cohn and Vish. That's who it was. It was Cohn and Vish. And Vish was like, I might take that. Uh, but that's the thing is it's going to have to take a massive offer like that. And the question is, do the jets have the stomach for that? Um, and then some other information that we got um, or that I got uh, because uh, Jason Aponte uh, has a little service that you can subscribe to um, where he will, uh, you will get text messages with uh, kind of like information that he doesn't necessarily give out on Twitter or whatever, but, um, he uh, was speaking to someone at the draft today, someone high up in the Jets organization. And that person said that uh, he doesn't think that the 49ers are trading Debo Samuel and that Kyle uh, believes that he can handle all the personalities involved. So that's another reason why, you know, we come on tonight, we say we're pretty confident he's not going anywhere. But again, maybe that's because they haven't, they haven't actually thrown out that Godfather offer yet. We right. don't know. True. So, okay, well, we both sort of agree uh, mm -hmm. that Debo will be a San Francisco 49er post-draft. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So I, I would like to know before this, on this Merry Draftsmas Eve. Merry Draftsmas Eve. I think, I think you and I think I should, should play kind of both sides of the coin. Okay. Despite the fact that we've put it out there and we believe Debo's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So let's say Debo does get traded. Okay. You can pick any organization, most likely the Jets, but what mm -hmm. pick would it be or what would you do with that first round pick? Sure. And then we'll we'll talk about that because I think we agree. I think we're very similar in regards to to where we fall in Strategy. what the needs are for the organization. Yeah. Um, so what it could be, and then if they keep their their pick and they don't okay. have any other picks, uh so you're saying the their first pick is 61. Their first pick is 61. Who okay. who should they draft? Mm -hmm. Or what should they do in that situation? Mm -hmm. 
So let's let's do both sure. sides of it. Okay. Which one do you want to take first? I think that one would be important. Let's uh let's do the hypothetical first. Okay, so hypothetical. Let, let's and again, it jet, the Jets make the most sense. So let's just go that route. And let's say, for the sake of the hypothetical, that we're just focusing on the twenty twenty two draft. And in that draft, the Jets have given up ten and thirty eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, at pick ten. Okay. For me, I think it's far more important to trade back than it is to select a player at 10. And the reason being is because I think what you can do, depending on how far back you go, um, if you're if you're going back a few spots, if you're going back, you know, into the teens, then by trading back, you're getting more ammunition in the second round. So more than likely or more ammunition in the third round, again, depending on what you can get for it. Um, if you're trading back into the twenties from 10, then I think you can, uh, get next year's one. And if you do that, all of a sudden you have now replaced both first round picks that you gave up for Trey Lance. So you've recouped all of the, or most of the assets that you got or that you gave up for Trey Lance. So that would be my strategy. My strategy would, or, and, and my desire for them would be to trade back if they if they could not trade back or if they did not trade back and they decided to draft a player at 10, obviously we have no idea who would be there, but in my opinion, if one of the top four or five edge players is still there, I think they would go that route. If one of the top two corners is there, either sauce Gardner or uh, Derek Stingley, I think. I think wait, they would wait. go that route. So, I mean, do you think Ahmad Gardner is the number one corner in the draft? I do, I do. And and Stingley's number two, two from yeah. from LSU. Okay, yeah. And then McDuffie would be three. Okay, from Washington. Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. So I think I think yeah. I I don't I. I would I would actually be relatively disappointed if at 10 they took a receiver. Hmm. Right? Which is what they did in 2020 when they traded DeForest Buckner and then just drafted his replacement. But where did they draft Kinlaw? Uh they got pick 12 and then traded back with the Bucks to 13 and drafted Kinlaw there. Mm-hmm. So they did have the ability to go back. No matter how far it was, they picked mm-hmm. up spots before they picked up his replacement. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like there was a player in mind and they said, we're right. going after this guy at all costs, right? Right, right. I Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still think Kinlaw was their, was their target and I think they knew that the Bucks weren't coming up to get Kinlaw or at least they were pretty confident in it. Um, although, ultimately... I would have been much happier if the Bucks did actually grab Kinlaw and then and then the 49ers could have drafted Tristan Wirfs. But if they did that, then we wouldn't sure. have Trent Williams. So it's hard. It's tough. But um, but yeah, I, I would be disappointed if they took uh if they took a receiver at 10. Um, I just feel like the value isn't there with the guys that are in this draft. Um you know, if they did, I would assume it would be either uh, Jamison Williams um, or see, I don't even know. I think it would 
or maybe if Garrett Wilson is there, but both of those guys don't scream Kyle Shanahan to me. Um, now, granted, maybe Kyle's looking for something different now, especially if they're moving on from Debo, then, th- then that's what's happening in the scenario. But yeah, I, I just, I just don't see them. I just don't see them valuing a receiver that high. Okay. So who are you taking? Any, you can have any pick now. Apparently you could have a trade back. You could have draft wherever. Who would you take in the first round? If you had that first round pick, you get to pick your spot. Sure. 10, 10 or back. Sure. And you get to pick your position and player. Who would you have? Yeah. Um, I would love to see them trade back into the mid teens and draft Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. There it is. There it yeah. is. So, so I think we both agree that with the reports with Alex Mack, like center mm-hmm. has been kind of thrust yeah. up into, um, like you look at the 49ers should be, should be the, should be the top storyline. Gr- greatest needs, right. Yeah. Of this organization. And before sort of the speculation about Alex Mack, I would have said center is three mm-hmm. because he's still unknown. Now it seems like he's most likely going to retire. Yeah. So center is such an important position, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah. I say that that is absolutely number one in terms of need need. And in, yeah. And in terms of uh, when you look at big picture, because the other positions, whether Debo stays or goes, wide receiver isn't going to be necessarily one of the top three things that the 49ers need. They need need a cornerback. They need interior line, both at the guard and the center position. Mm -hmm. Right? And they need a safety, arguably. They do. They do. A A slot corner and a safety. True. But in my opinion, those do not, those are maybe top five, mm-hmm. right? Maybe top six if you throw mm-hmm. a receiver in there, but mm-hmm. top three, center guard, yeah. cornerback. Those are my top three. Now, you 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 look at the at the draft and we both agree. Let me real quick, let me Go ask ahead. you a question. So you say cornerback. When you say cornerback, why do you feel like that is the third behind? center guard or second if you want to consider interior o-line one one unit well in terms of the cornerback position you have two different positions you have slot corner and you have outside mm-hmm. corner you right. can argue that Traverius ward and emmanuel mosley are your two guys on the outside mm-hmm. but who's your slot corner and right. now that's why or, that's or that, yeah or you yeah. move Mosley into the slot corner where we know yeah. he can perform. And then you have to find an outside, an outside corner. Yeah. So you, you have to, that is in my top three because you have to make that, that decision mm-hmm. of who you want and where you want Mosley to be. Right. It is Mosley an injury prone player. How much time has he spent off the field since he started with the organization? There's no doubt in my mind. He's a, he's a top talent when he's healthy. When he's into it, love him to death. I think he's great. He can play either position, in my opinion, at an at a high level. Is it elite? Is it lockdown status where he can go against any number one? Probably not that high, but I think he's a very solid starter, potentially cornerback one, cornerback two in the NFL. So yeah, that's why for me, cornerback is in my top three above safety because so- you have yeah, you you still have um, Tarvarius Moore, who showed a ton of potential. He's coming back off of a Achilles injury, right? Yeah, he ruptured his Achilles. So, if that was ten years ago, I'd be very concerned. 
but in today's medicine, today's NFL players are returning from Achilles tendons. I mean, look at Clay Thompson right now. I know it's NBA, but Clay Thompson coming off of uh, a you know a blown out knee, a torn Achilles, and he's in the NBA playoffs playing yeah. phenomenally, Balling. doing doing really well. Love the Warriors. Hey man, won their series tonight against the Nuggets. Moving on to round two, you got the playoff Warriors back. They finally understand what it's like <laughs> to close out a series. God, it's beautiful. Anyways, nice. I, let's get back to football. Yes. Um, so I agree that if if you have an opportunity to trade back and still find a way to land Linderbaum, yeah, that's the center from Iowa. Yeah. That is going to solidify the middle of your offensive line for years to come. I think he yes. is. Yes, as, as he's a close, 10 to 15 year starter, as close to a sure thing in terms of he may not be an all pro, but I think he's going to make some pro bowls and I think he will be a solid to really great yeah. center in the NFL he's for like, a decade. Plus. And he's like tailor made for Shanahan and his offense. I mean, the the biggest the biggest knock on him is arm length, but with the amount that he's going to be moving, um, I just don't think it matters that much. Um, but yeah, that is, that would be the prize of the first round for me would be uh, Tyler Linderbaum in terms of fit for the team uh, value, all of that, but not at 10 because <laughs> at 10, at 10, you're going to have to take again. A, a, I don't want to say a more impactful player, but a position that is typically, you know, you, Cause you can, you can't, there are, there are quite actually quite a few center prospects that I love in this draft. And so if they, if they did not get Linderbaum in the first round, it, I wouldn't be devastated. Um, I also really like Cam Jurgens uh, out of Nebraska and then um, Luke Fortner from, from Kentucky. He's a little bit on the older side, uh, but the uh, he, he essentially played in, in the Shanahan style offense at Kentucky for Liam Cohen, who is now the OC for the Rams. But, um, but yeah, so I think we're on the same page there. Um, so then it is it because you talked about the, the two corners that at 10, if mm, they mm-hmm. showed up, right. You saucer Derek Stingley. Right. I totally agree with that. Is yeah. there a receiver? Like, let's just say, okay. At 10, I, I I'm going to throw out a name and it may be a little controversial because there's a, a large debate in the draft on whether or not he goes really early or he could fall late. Right. And that's, that's Jamison Williams mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. uh, from Alabama, Alabama, a six one. I mean, he was one eighty last year, mm-hmm. but you know, he's going to put on weight. Mm-hmm. He tore his ACL in the national championship game and your heart broke for the kid that he no, was he- so hard. I thought I thought he was the one that tore it early in the season because he's he'll be ready with he'll be ready like after the first month of the season. I thought it was I think no, John I was, Mechie. I thought John Mechie was the one that tore it in the in the championship game. No, I'm I'm pretty sure Williams okay. tore tore it. Sorry, in the Go ahead. It's okay. Go ahead. But he he's probably the best deep ball threat in the draft. I mean, and that's the one thing where you know you have Brandon Ayuk. But if if a lot of teams are starting to double up now in regards to having two incredible uh, athletic playmaker receivers, because it makes it incredibly hard for the defense to 
Like you, you can't ha- put your lockdown corner on receiver one and then the rest of the 10 figure out the other 10. It, it makes it so you have to have two stud corners, which not a lot of teams have two, yeah. two cornerback you, ones. You, you were right, by the way. It was the, the title game. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, rare occasions. I, I get it right. <laughs> rare occasions. Um, and I know that we're talking about, and people could be screaming right now at whatever listening device they have, mm-hmm. and they're saying, you just traded Debo. You had a another star receiver, but Debo is not that type of receiver. Yeah. With with the the th- with the athletic ability, with the 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 arm strength, the downfield accuracy that Trey Lance possesses, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need a Debo Samuel where you need to throw the ball on uh, slants and balls close to the line of scrimmage and require a receiver to break multiple tackles to yeah. create big gains. Yeah. You now can push the ball down the field to receivers making routes and cuts 15, 20 yards down the field where they only have to break one tackle or avoid somebody and then they're off to the races and you're looking for speed. It's a different yeah. style. It's a different flow of the game. You know, you know what style it is? It's What's the that? it's it's the Kyle Shanahan Atlanta Falcon style. That's the thing. You know what I there mean? You like you could go back to that. And that's and that's where I've always argued that the offense that the 49ers have run with Jimmy Garoppolo is not the offense that Kyle Shanahan wants to run. It's the offense that he runs because he has Jimmy Garoppolo and he knows his strengths and he knows his weaknesses. Mm-hmm. The offense that Kyle Shanahan wants to run is the offense that you saw setting records in Atlanta. And now he's got a gunslinger arguably with far more athletic ability than Matt Ryan um, to, to pull the trigger on that. So, so yeah, maybe, maybe they are looking for a different type of receiver and not that, you know, not that they can't make it work with Debo, but you know, maybe if you get rid of Debo, you're like, all right, well now, you know, now let's, let's go, you know, the route of a traditional X receiver, right. Which you could say is Ayuk, but the other, uh, and then one, before we get off receivers, one guy that they could target if they get into the middle of the round, um, and and you know maybe Linderbaum's not there, or maybe they don't want Linderbaum, right? Uh, is Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas? He's like a bigger Debo, um, which again, I I would kind of be upset, but at the same time, it it also you know so could make sense. It- but the, the piece that you like that piece right there. And even if you did draft a receiver, the things that would happen if they got rid of Debo and they mm-hmm. got a king and they got a King's ransom and they traded back in the first round or whatever they decide to do, you got to think yeah. about if you're getting a guy that either elevates or changes the offense in a way mm-hmm. that, that suits Trey Lance mm-hmm. and his skill set, or mm-hmm you get a guy that kind of replaces Debo and takes his position. And you said he's a bigger Debo. He may not be the playmaker Debo mm-hmm. is may not yeah. have the broken tackles Debo does, but mm-hmm. you're, you're getting a guy that can do some of the things he does. Sure. You've recouped a bunch of picks from the yep. fact that you lost a bunch from going up to go get Trey Lance and you're cheaper, you're younger. Yeah. And you've now given yourself the ability to extend the one other position besides quarterback that becomes most important in your top one, two outside. So you have one, two, three, you got to have a quarterback. They got Trey Lance. 
you got to have somebody that can protect the quarterback in that left tackle position. They got Trent, Trent Williams. Williams, arguably the best left tackle in the game. Mm-hmm. A guy, George Kittle, compared to Josh Allen, who is arguably the most athletic and talented quarterback in the league. Trey Lance. You have, You're talking about Trey Lance. Yeah, right. Trey yeah. Lance, but he compared him to Josh Allen. Right. Right. He said he reminds him of yeah. Josh Allen, the things he's able yeah. to do. So I'm not saying he is that, but sure. Yes. Boy, is that great potential, right? Yeah. So right. you you have the two and then the guy to go after the other guy's quarterback, mm-hmm. right? So Nick, Nick Bosa. Bosa and yep. you, you extend him and you give him his contract. Mm-hmm. So you could essentially fix the, like not mm-hmm. completely have like you've abandoned the receiver position. You either get a yeah. guy that yeah. changes it, replaces it almost to a point. You reload with a bunch of draft picks. Mm-hmm. You're able to have the potential great quarterback. Uh, best left tackle in the game, potentially the best defensive end in the game, mm-hmm. and the best middle young, linebacker in the game. Cheaper, yeah. younger. So that's actually way, yeah. I would say that's ahead. why I would say that's why. Like ideally, for me, if the sweetener, right, the king's ransom was Elijah Moore as opposed to next year's first round pick, I would actually prefer that because to me that frees them up to not even have to look at that position early in the draft. I mean, obviously you want to go, you know, supplement the room later in the draft, but it would free them up to focus on the interior of the offensive line, the safety position, the cornerback position, right? You're, so you're not, I don't want to say wasting uh, uh, a high pick on a wide receiver, but for, you know, like for lack of a better word, you don't have to, you don't have to allocate those resources because you're getting a guy back that has already right. spent a year in the system, which would be dope. So, so then, you know, so, so if they go 10, 38, right, that means that they have 38 and 61. So they have two second round picks. Um, Again, we're not going to have a hypothetical where they traded back and got another, right? So with their two second round picks, Uh, what, what are you hoping to see addressed? Oh, okay. So you're going, you want to do, I was, you want to do 38 too. I was just planning on doing 61. Um, Let's do 61 okay. first. I'll do that. It'll give me a chance to kind of compare, look at my notes real quick. I'm not so saying at 30. I'm just saying with two second round picks, what positions would you look for them to, to address? So again, we, we agreed on center in the first round. So now in the second round, you've got two picks. What would you, what are, what do you think they would do? Well, or what would you do? I, I mean, I've already kind of, kind of stated the fact that my, my top three positions Mm-hmm. guard guard center cornerback mm-hmm. like i think that those are the three things that you you have to nail in this draft whether you have uh whether you find somebody that can come in right away or you have somebody that has to learn for a year and you kind of fill that position with either not your first choice but somebody that can that can hold the line mm-hmm. uh and then in a year a guy's ready to go and and there are certain players on the organization that you look at that they drafted last year and you say maybe Jalen Moore. Maybe mm-hmm. yeah. Look, I mean, you got Jalen Moore, you got Colton McKivitz, you got um Banks, you got uh you have a lot of potential. Brunskill essentially could play center, uh, yeah. although I think he's better at swing tackle. Um Yeah, yes. There are besides the Aaron Donald stopper, um, there are a lot of <laughs> and mustache connoisseur um there's a lot of options for the 49ers in the interior line 
outside mm-hmm. of Trent Williams. And and let's just be real, prognosis looks real good for Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. All it seems Should, like all, all signs point to week one being ready. So it it looks like your tackles are set. Mm-hmm. So you, now you have to solidify the inside line. Yeah. Does that become McKivitz? Does that become more? Does Moore, that become Banks? Banks. Yeah. Brunskill. Those right, all. Yeah. Brunskill. They've got. So you, yeah. Is that the yeah. is that is that the best option? Absolutely not. Is no. it something where you could draft a guy in round three or four and potentially say this? So now you have those guys plus this guy. Somebody's going to pan out, especially in his year two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are those are my guys. Okay. Um, the other position that falls into play, in my opinion, in the second round, whether it's early second round or late second round, because it really depends on who's off and on the board. Right. But it's the it's the other edge rusher edge. opposite yeah. Nick Nick Bosa. Yep. And that's the position where I I personally think that if they have 31, 38, 38, 38, I don't know why 61, 38. Mm-hmm. Numbers are confusing. They're hard. <laughs> it's okay. Um when I look at a situation like that, I'm looking at that early second round pick. Obviously. You could look at somebody like, uh, what is that? Is it like Boy Maffey? Is that how you Boy Maffey? Boy Maffey. Boy Maffey. Boy Maffey from mm-hmm. from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I think he would be a phenomenal opposite mm-hmm. Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that opportunity. Um, but you could get into other hypotheticals. I land in the edge if if they haven't. So this is where it gets real complicated, and the 49ers could come up at 61, have not drafted up until this point, and the fan base is super excited to finally get a pick. And on the board, like there are like top linebackers and like tackles still on the board. And you could look at it and go, a team could offer a trade, you could go back a few places. Mm-hmm. stockpile another draft pick potentially in the third round or fourth mm-hmm. round. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm just going to be real. I've had a draft crush for a while and it's, it's an edge rusher. Um, he's from out Western of Kentucky from Western, but he's the, he was the, the conference defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. He's lightning fast. He's incredible. Yeah. Like he's electric. He's, he's, but he's gaining weight. And we all know players that, that go mm-hmm. up and are light. They have a mm-hmm. tendency uh, to put on significant weight as they get in the NFL. But the one thing that if you notice edge rushers over the years are no longer, they're not as heavy and as big as they used yeah, to be. Yeah. They're not 270 anymore. They're, you know, 250 feels like, feels like kind of the sweet spot right now. Right. And, and he's 238. And, well, okay, as well, of right now, he's right. Two, 243. You haven't said his that, name though. And that's D'Angelo Malone there out go. of Western Kentucky. Yeah. That that has been my draft crush. And if the 49ers find a way to end up with him, he's he isn't being mocked at 61. He's no, being he's mocked continuously later. a little bit later. Yeah. And that's where I feel if the stars don't align at 61 and something mm-hmm. doesn't line up, mm-hmm. use that opportunity to go back a few places. Let somebody go up and probably get a linebacker that's going to be available at that point. 
and then draft Malone to be opposite Nick Bosa in the years to come, and you are going to have yeah, it's that D Ford lightning fast. Yeah, it's he. You know, Malone would be a situational pass rusher. Like that would be his role. Um, you know, he would be in on obvious passing downs. He'd be in on the turbo package. He would fill that D Ford role. Um, and yeah, I I, I really like Malone, especially as a, a later edge option. Uh, again, if they had thirty eight. Um, I feel like there's a tier of edge rushers that's going to be there in like the end of round one and then the beginning to middle of round two. And that's um, that is uh, Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State, um, uh, Boya Mafe from Minnesota, Drake Jackson from USC, Josh Pascal from Kentucky. And um, there's another one and I'm forgetting him, but um Oh, Nick Benito from Oklahoma. And they're kind of all in that 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 range. And so I I would imagine if they had again 10 and 38, I think they would probably go edge at 38. Um and then at 61 it feels like um 61 is out of range for um Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Penn State. Uh but I actually really like Nick Cross out of Maryland. Um yes. Yes. Um, yes. And and 61, again, in terms of mocks, 61 tends to be a little bit early for him. But if, again, if they don't have any extra picks, 61 is their first. They don't pick again until 93. Um, hmm. and, and I can almost guarantee he'd be gone by then. So uh, I could see them going that route at 61. Um, unless, again, an edge player fell or um, one of the kind of, lower tier cornerback prospects like um like a Jalen Petrie uh although I think he's gonna go early in, in round two. Um I think 61 is out of reach for him. But Jalen Petrie um uh there's I can't really think of any corners it's really a lot of safeties in that that kind of have that round two grade. Well what are um, they what Auburn's it's Roger oh yeah Roger McCreary. McCreary. That was McCreary. A, that was another yeah. guy. Yeah. Roger McCreary and there's another one but I just can't remember who. But um but yeah so I think that would be um they also I know um Dylan Parham a guard from Memphis is a guy that has uh visited with the 49ers so has D'Angelo Malone they've had him out on a visit um so they've been connected to him um also Cole Strange uh, guard out of uh Tennessee Chattanooga right little yeah. little yeah Terrell Owens Terrell Owens country um so you know I think it, you know it, if if Debo's not traded and that is what we are predicting, then 61 is going to be their first pick. And it it, it really is just going to depend upon what the board looks like. And, and and you're right, they could um, you know, they they could trade back. Lynch even said so uh on Monday, talked about possible that there's uh that the strength of this draft is that it's is its depth. And so trading back could be an opportunity, you know, a possibility even from 61. So, you know, I think there's a lot of routes, but I, I think we also agree that, you know, I, I would like to see within the first four picks, you know, that they address interior offensive line, edge, uh, corner and safety. Like those are my top four priorities. I love it. Yeah. I think that's a great, I, th I mean, I think that's, if they can, if they can come away with even three of those positions being seriously addressed. Yeah. In the draft, this is a huge home run of a draft. This, this to me, this draft feels like 
uh, the perfect draft for the 49ers organization. And the reason I say that is you, you alluded to it a second ago. Uh, it does not have the flashy quarterbacks, the top end, the top heavy drafts. You're not going to see what you saw last year. You're not going to mm -hmm. see five first round quarterbacks selected. It, you just don't, honestly, I don't feel like any of the quarterbacks in this year's draft would have been selected in round one last year. No, no, no absolutely. Right. Not. No, if if Trey and I said this earlier, if, like in in a previous week, if Trey Lance was in this year's draft, he'd be he the, elected overwhelmingly he, number yeah. one pick. And the Jaguars would have been and the Jaguars would have been thrilled because there would have been a bidding war for one. Right. And they could have traded Trevor Lawrence and gone with Trey Lance or they could have kept Trevor Lawrence and gotten a king's ransom. Mm hmm. For Trey mm -hmm. Lance, obviously, yeah. obviously, we know that the 49ers were willing to give up three firsts for him when he wasn't ready. So if he mm -hmm. had a year, a year of starting under his belt, probably another good national point. championship. Yeah, you're probably getting more than that. And which is crazy. And still just 22 years old. Still just 22. Years There's old. there is one quarterback in this draft that is younger than Trey Lance. Oh, you know what? I'm wrong. He's not even younger than Trey Lance. Sam Howell out of UNC uh, was born in March of 2000. Trey Lance was born in April of 2000. So, again, uh, not a single quarterback in this draft is younger than Trey Lance. Not a single one. So, all in all. I love it. For 49er fans, take a breath. It's okay. This whole plan has the potential to work out extremely well. Like you said, and to finish my thought, this is an extremely deep draft, especially in the mid rounds. When you get into the end of round two, round three, round four, and round five, you are finding players that are still impactful and are potential diamonds in the rough. And I say that just because you don't put, you don't think about a potential all pro like a George Kittle you find one of those, like that's a diamond in the rough in the fifth round. Mm -hmm. You think about, sure, Tom Brady selected later in the draft. Maybe What, what round was that? Fifth round too? Six. Like, sixth round. Like, you realize that those don't come around super often, but this draft is unlike years in the past. This could be the deepest draft in the last 10 years Yeah, because there are so many impactful positions that have numerous players that can make a difference and teams that are in need aren't going to hog all of the players like you select a quarterback that's one spot and they go off the board quick but there's a like teams have two three cornerbacks teams have three four linebackers teams have so when you take all of that talent all of that amazing talent that is in this draft there's just an immense number of players and when like my draft crush is is malone out of western kentucky and he's potentially not even yeah, like i think he, pick. i think he could be one of the most impactful players to be drafted this year and he potentially could be a situational pass rusher in his first year where he can get 10 plus sacks because he gets to use everything he's good at yeah speed technique aggressiveness tenacity like and the sure. wide nine with chris kasurik as his coach boom throw him in 
That's phenomenal. But also you have this incredibly deep receiver draft. You have players that you may see three or four receivers go in the first round. You may see two and Mm -hmm. two studs could fall into the second round, which then pushes that next wave back. Yeah. There, there's and that's just, the advantage of a he- of a quarterback heavy draft is it pushes players down because teams are you know obsessed with rightfully so the quarterback r- position rightfully so but usually like in the other drafts when there's that many quarterbacks it just isn't this this deep mm-hmm. so I'm really excited it this if the year if there was going to be a year and this is another part to this whole trade where everyone freaked out about not having a first round pick. The 49ers front office obviously had the foresight to look forward and say, yeah. next year, there is no quarterback right. that we feel is better right. than Trey Lance next year. And it's one of the deepest drafts positionally that we're going to find. We can afford to not have a first round pick mm-hmm. and still come off with quality picks. Yeah, They, they don't need a ton of picks. They don't, just, have the yeah. cap, they don't have the cap space right or now. Or the roster space. <laughs> they, They've got... They've got 70, I think 79 players right now. So that's yeah. a lot of players on yeah. contract. Yeah. So yeah, it's, you know, it is, uh, I mean, and, and Lynch has said uh, on numerous occasions that they, you know, when they, when it comes to roster management, they, they, they work in three year chunks. Right. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. Um, but yeah, I am. I'm. I'm excited. Um, regardless of whether they have a first round pick or not, um, I think they are going to come away with. Uh, my hope is that they come away with uh, two starters and uh, and some year one contributors uh, at the edge position, at corner, at safety, and on the interior of the offensive line. But just think about this, everyone who's listening to this right now. The first round goes by, and if if the 49ers don't trade Debo Samuel, and at the number 10 pick, if the Jets select anybody, just know the 49ers selected Debo Samuel. There you and go. Then, and then, hey, when it comes around to pick 29, and you say, oh, the Chiefs have the pick from the 49ers, and that's how it's all worked out, the 49ers could have had, well, you know what? With the 29th pick, the they have like Trey Lance. Trey Lance. So <laughs> quarterback, North quarterback. Dakota State. So stop freaking out. Stop always looking on the negative side of things. Focus on the positives. The 49ers tomorrow can make no moves and come away with Debo Samuel and Trey Lance in the first round of the NFL draft. I feel pretty good about an all pro it. and a potential all pro at quarterback. Like That's right. I like it. Th- there it is. I like it. Ready? accentuate the positive <laughs> eliminate the negative hey that's the mantra for the 49ers draft this year uh anything else you got tim before we cheese on out of here it's been uh almost 90 minutes it's been a while since we talked ball and we went long but that's okay and i love the fact that we text real quick and we're like hey let's do a quick pod let's just yeah, get something out there let's do a quick one <laughs> nope nope nine, 90 almost 90 minutes of content yes, for y'all out there yes sir <laughs> There are a few people that listen to this podcast continuously and have been asking us to continuously put out content. Um, and I do want to give some shout outs. And I think Let's that, that is is necessary. Let's go back and forth. I got a few. Okay. You, do you want to start? Who's one you want to give a shout out to that always comes through for us? I got a shout out B-Chap. My guy B-Chap on Twitter, man. 
He Absolutely. is uh, day one. He's a he's a day one OG, and uh, and we appreciate you, man. Die hard, right? Die hard. Um, I like somebody hit us up today. Basically, kind of pushed me over the edge to make sure that I could get this done. Colin, thank you, man, for uh, for hitting us up, asking for content. Really appreciate you. Love the fact that you listen. I love it. And uh, obviously, we got to shout out James. James is a loyal listener. He's probably going to be listening to this tomorrow morning, uh, bright and early. So thank you, James. He, he's the only person I know that will send me feedback in some way, <laughs> shape, or form before I wake up. Before I'm I love up it. for the day, I've I it's it. already been listened to. It's already been been analyzed, and I'm getting some some type of feedback. So I appreciate that. I appreciate Chris. I know that he listens too. I know Kevin listens. There's some people out there that really, uh, you know, just make this fun for us. So we appreciate y'all. Kevin is have- our, uh, I would say Kevin is our resident Dolphins fan. And so, uh, you know, he's, he's, it's kind of like he's a 49ers fan with Mike McDaniel. And it's kind of like I'm a Dolphins fan because I'm going to root for whatever Mike McDaniel does. I love that guy. That guy's a legend. Absolutely. Like, the, I think there's no doubt now that the, the Niners and the Dolphins, uh, just like the Niners and the Jets, there is some connection there. So, sure. uh, because of the coaching staff, because of players that move, hey, yeah. uh, good on you. So, for those of you who are our loyal listeners, we appreciate you. If it's your first time listening, uh, I'd appreciate it uh, if you went ahead and followed us. If you're watching on yeah. YouTube or you see this on the Twitter and you're watching it, uh, you can follow me at Tim Sprinkles super creative it's my name um <laughs> you can follow uh the editor at 49er web zone the man right. with the legend uh that's at right. b renick 77 i'm yes, not sir. quite sure where 77 comes into play but that's my uh, birthday well that i always looked at july it as the year and july now 7th. that you just said that it clicked <laughs> and i went oh yeah july is the seventh month of the year like i said i don't always get them all right sometimes numbers are hard for me it, it is what it is but go ahead and hit us up follow us That's ask right. us questions i don't know if you're going to find two guys who are more eager to to interact or interact with uh mm-hmm. and answer engage. questions engage with with people who who want to ask us questions i'm sure there are people that will match our enthusiasm for it but i don't know if you'll find anybody more uh more enthused about people that want to reach out and learn or ask questions if you have if you have negativity uh if you're being uh if you want to be a punk i'll just say it right now you're not going to get anything out of me uh i live my life in the positive so you can kick rocks if you want to live in the negative i'm all about the positivity if you couldn't tell from i love it Broadcast. i love it yeah and so um again this we we said uh, on a whim hey let's let's record a short pod um we are trying to move more to um video as well so uh this will be uh, up on youtube it wasn't a live broadcast uh just because we started recording at like 10 15 i was like no one's gonna no one's gonna watch this but we'll have this up on youtube uh please make sure to rate review and subscribe also subscribe to the youtube channel it's just the denim dungeon uh, just like it says up there on the screen. Uh, that is also how you can find us on uh, iTunes and Spotify and all that good stuff. So again, if you are watching us on YouTube for the first time, you just stumbled upon us. Hey, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you'll see our faces more. And uh, we, uh, I, I, the last time, uh, or I don't even know if it was the last time, but uh, I know fairly recently we had talked about uh, kind of switching up the sign off. 
So we're going to try it here for the first time. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but I'm going to lead you, Tim. And we're just going to give us a Niners on three. Niners on three, baby. Here we go. Niners on three. One, two, three. Niners. 